Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. Oh, no. And I have to see that's my guest is already getting in my case. But I got to tell you some people, uh, you know, since the lovely Joanne moved in, you know, we just talking about, I fall asleep. I, I always fall asleep on the couch. But now I go up in the middle of the night and she she has this comforter. Now, when 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 she had it back east, I told her rules had to change. She had a comforter in her on her bed in her bedroom and she wouldn't let me lay on it. And I said, well, if you're watching some crappy TV show, how am I supposed to watch TV? So I would have to like lay on her floor in front of the bed. And I'm like, that's what a comforter is for. But I told her now that she's out here and she's moved into my place, which is now our place. You know, it's still low. I'm on the lease, so it's my place. We sat there and I sat there and I have honestly, I got to, I'm laying on the comforter. I made her put the comforter on, but the thing is so damn heavy. I sit there like, I, that's why I sleep in the couch because I go into bed and it's like, there's like a, 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 steel block on top of me and I, it's so heavy and I can't barely move and I hate the thing and then you start sweating too much and then I take it off and then I get cold from the sweat and you know what Test, I'm telling you in a few weeks I'm going to burn that damn comforter <laughs> anyway we have a, a great show we have a, we have a good friend of mine it's, it's our Christmas show because this is be airing on Christmas day and uh, you know even though we're recording it a few weeks before but that's just the way the thing works we have the very uh, funny uh, old comic friend John Matta Merry Christmas Coop yes comforter comforter Comforter. What I comforter? Is it a comforter? Comforter. Oh God! You sound like her. See, that's the one thing I noticed about Joanne. She sits there and she like corrects some things. You know, I say because I pronounce things, and then I just do it to mess with her. Like I'll like I say axophetamin. Or instead of as, what's that stuff called? <laughs> I don't the, the know. The The aspirin. But it's called asafetamine because I, I can't take aspirin. I take asafetamine because my okay. heart. But I go asafetamin, and she always corrects me. Then I just say it the piss her off but then it's funny is, but then she sits there and still pronounces water water and I go you, you can't you can't have a two way street and it's, uh-huh. you can't because I know you just moved out here don't pr- connect, correct my pronunciation if you, you're using your New Jersey Philly <laughs> accent it's just it's no good so people John uh, John's an old comic friend of mine John was back uh, ages ago um, and now we, we met John we met in Philly back in when it had to have been in We've had to at least known each other for 25 years now. Yeah, because I was thinking it was probably 1988 or 1990. Yeah. It's crazy. I've known, and, and he still, people, when I met John, he had this beautiful hair. And when I met him, I had beautiful hair. You did. Now John has beautiful hair still. You have that good part. That's the thing. If people, you can't see it, but he has, it's like some people have hair that just parts. Like my hair never parted good. Like I had the, the long hair, but I can never make it look like I wanted to. Like I wanted to do like the Kevin Bacon in, in Footloose when that was big, but my hair just wouldn't spike. Like you probably, you have that hair, you probably hair could just spike up if you did it. I, I can't want to get Troy. I always liked the, uh, the widow's peak. Right. The guys who were losing their hair. I, I just thought that, look at those cool lines on that guy. And uh, now I know they were going bald. Right, exactly. So, mm-hmm. well, see, I, I have to shave mine because it's getting a little. I, I'm, going, I'm going that Bob Balaban look. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now we we talked a long time ago. I'm going to refresh my listeners. Uh, what made you want to get into comedy? Because you know, you you went and you showed up. And back in the day, people people would just show up. Like there'd be some people would just show up to open mic, and then they would just disappear. Like Mark Ott, I don't think you even knew him, or Steve Datowski, and they would just hang out. Steve Dito, of yeah, course I know Steve Dito. Dito. They would just hang out. Someone would just hang out. But you just you showed up. I don't know what what made you gravitate going to the open mics. I uh, was working uh, in North Philadelphia for a uh, shelter workshop, and it dawned on me pretty quickly. I'm really not good at working. Okay. Um, I don't really like to be told what to do. Uh, my philosophy of work was 
if you just don't show up, sometimes they're still going to pay you. Okay. So I just really wasn't good at it. And what ended up happening was I always wanted to do comedy, but I had no idea how I was going to do it. And now, it why was, did you want to do it? Just because you watched it and you liked it and you were a fan? Or? Loved it as a kid. Always watched The Tonight Show, you know, whenever Euchre was on or Don Rickles or Steve Martin, Jonathan Winters. Bob and Ray, I loved as a kid. Of course, first comedy album. I still remember listening to it with my cousin, uh, Bill Cosby. And what was your first album, not comedy album? Do you remember what your first album was? No. Everybody makes fun of me uh, because music plays no part in my life. So you don't, you never, like my first album was Tom Jones' Greatest Hits. <laughs> I'm not lying. I, I, that's no lie. I don't know why I got that and I got the Partridge Family album. But so, so And you, you paid your own money or was it given as a gift to you? I think it was show? a Christmas present. Okay. Good. I might have bought the Tom Jones thing because you know, I was making that whole, I, I didn't get, like, I'm, I'm, when I grew up, we didn't get an allowance. We just said, they said, you know, go and cut the yard. Well, no, what are you going to pay us? No, Nothing. There, there was go. no allowance. What are we going to pay you? The roof over your head. Get out. That's what they would say. <laughs> yeah. Get out. And that, But now kids are like, well, like the tooth fairy. Yeah, I saw some kid on uh, Facebook, like this this girl's son, oh, for tooth fairy visit, five bucks. I got like a dime five or bucks. nickel for the tooth fairy. If five bucks, I'd be punching my own damn teeth out. <laughs> Now we, there were a lot of, uh, my family, my, my parents were absolutely lovely people, but there were just so many rules. Like we never were allowed sleepovers. Uh, if I asked my mom, hey, can I sleep over somebody's house? No, you got a bed in your own home. Well, can they sleep over here? No. Why would I go to a stranger in my home? <laughs> so she was really, un- and then like just food. I'd ask, uh, can we have Chinese food today? No, you don't like that. Well, you know what our, you know what our Chinese food was? And this what? is God's honest truth. And I think about it, and, and you know, it's so funny because I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. You think I would know Chinese food. Mm-hmm. We had our Chinese food. It was uh, that Le Choy thing. <laughs> and then, and in it, the can? Yeah, and then it had like the, the noodles, the hard the noodles, and my mom would heat up the noodles and him, and we thought that was the best. Like, if she get like two bag one, she keeps some of the noodles cold. Did you put it in water or did it? No, it was, you open it up. It was it was in the sauce. So you heat it up in a pan, and then you heat the little the crispy things up, and you put the crispy things on your plate like the wonton oh. noodles, and you put the chow mein. It was uh, chow mein, and that was but it was great as a kid. Oh, that was so exotic. I remember trying to sneak it in the uh, cart. But it wasn't exotic. This was like it was like cheap it was like had so much no, no that was exotic for my family okay that i'd put it in the cart and four carts over when we got to breads i'd see it uh back on a shelf <laughs> a higher shelf so i couldn't reach it now did your parents like comedy were they, were they just were they because i mean it sounds like you it was just, maybe this is why They're you hated both rules. very very funny people um, my parents were both in education my dad uh was kind of like a superintendent of school uh night school and then he runs summer recreation, did all that stuff. My mom and I loved watching uh, anything funny on TV. Uh, the big one we'd watch together was Fernwood Tonight. And my mom and I would just laugh so hard. At, and I don't think I could have gotten it all. But the big show for me, and I think a lot of people from our generation, was SCTV. Right. So it was, it, it was almost a special thing that was just yours late at night. Your parents are asleep, everybody's asleep, and you're watching these weird adults. You know, Joe Flaherty being Guy Caballero, playing a guy who's in a wheelchair because it uh, feel it, it, it earns him respect. Right. From the, uh, it was just so fun. And then the lucky thing, years, 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 years later, I end up getting to work on the Martin Short Show. 
and got to be around him when he was doing Jiminy Glick. And all you, that you're, right, you're right to drop names. That's my job. No. That's my job. I'm the name dropper. It's my guy, show. No. <laughs> a guy that you watched on TV, now you get to be in a room with him. Oh, dude, I that, I was saying that a few weeks ago. When I, And this sounds stupid, but like last week when I interviewed Terry Nunn. Wow. We, we all had crushes on her in college. Like, we did. Who's this beautiful blonde? And then you're sitting there, <laughs> and she's so beautiful woman. She's sitting across me. And even like when Robbie Benson was on, it was like I played Weird. basketball. It's like... Everybody loved one on one. When he said, "You can shove it where the sun don't shine," every guy was like, "Yeah, we hate our coach." Yeah. And then he did ice castles. We go, oh, "Oh, no, not ice castles." But yeah, it's the same. It's very surreal. And so with you, but you could never dream of being in show business. I same as you. I grew up in Jersey and Lakewood. Closest thing we had to, was a mental I, institution. Wasn't uh, there a mental institution on, on the circle in Lakewood? Or is that Lakeview? Uh, that might have been closer, like Lakehurst or something like okay, that. I thought okay. But we, you couldn't dream of being – that was for other people. Uh, we had a family member who knew Charles McCord from the Imus show. And that was the closest we knew to show business. Okay. And, and, like, even when I started doing stand-up, my mother asked me, could you make money doing that? And Because her – because then she asked me – because I always assumed Rich Little had a day job. That's funny. So I, really? I, I, he should have. Yeah, actually, a little-known fact. Yeah. He, he, was a, he, you know, he was a very big accountant. And he would get his clients because he'd be like, he started doing celebrities' taxes, and that's why he'd do impressions. That's not a true story, people. I'm making that up. I'm making that up. Every impression he did uh, had that same Canadian twang in it, too. And he was a lot like um, going from a pencil to a pen. It was a weird thing. As a kid, you really thought he was funny, but then one day it hit you. Oh, this guy isn't funny at all. Then you went right into pens. But he made he made tons of money. Oh yeah, that's all. And he still performs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh. in Vegas. Uh, I, it, I have no desire ever to see him. But I will always stop uh, if they do the old Dean Martin roast and you get to see him. Oh yeah, those, those are classic. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you know anyone in Hollywood? You show business, and you're in Lakewood, New Jersey, and and you're in Philly. And what were you doing in Philly? Uh, just working, and then did you uh, go to school in Philly? No, I ended up uh, graduating from Glassboro State College. I know. Well, now at Rowan State, Rowan University. Rowan University. I remember uh, Sopranos once, where uh, Meadow was talking about trying to get into college, and she just said, uh, "Oh God, I hope I don't screw this up. I don't want to end up at Glassboro." Well, at least they didn't say my school, Stockton. Yeah, same but thing. But Stockton's actually, you know, what Stockton State College now is like when I paid when I went there, it was thirty two dollars and fifty cents a credit. <laughs> Thirty-two fifty a credit if you lived in state. And my feeling was, if you didn't live in state, why the hell would you go to Stockton? You know, it's like, why are you going to pay extra to go to the school? And it was a great school, and the lovely Joanne went there, and I, I you know, I, that's one, you know, I'm great friends. I actually saw a few of my friends a few weeks ago, and but it was uh, thirty-two fifty, thirty-two dollars, and now well, you could walk out of a class. It was a hundred bucks if you're sitting in a class. Teacher wasn't that cool. You could just stand up and go, yeah, screw this noise, and drop it, and walk out. It's a hundred bucks. To tell an adult to cram it up his ass. Now it's now the Stockton's like twenty five, thirty five thousand a year. I go, what the hell, man? Wow! And it's like uh, Joanne's niece goes to Monmouth and um, just campus. We went up to visit her, man. You know, you go into campus. We went to campus. There was the meal plan. You went, you got the food, whatever they served. You had, you know, three. Mm-hmm. This one they have a meal plan, but they also have a sandwich shop and a Papa John's and a 
this and that. And I'm like, oh, oh my pop, God. Pop. I'm like, listen to yourself. These kids. No, it's true, though. These kids now. I am getting old. Hey, people, when you turn 50, that's what happens. I turn 50, and I, I sit there. I just notice. I, you know, and things irritate me more now. I get very irritated. I get, of course you do. I get very irritated at a, at a, at a, a we're talking about, you said your wife talks about prices. Well, well you, you did already. I, know, you just... I get very into this crap. So Joanne's looking through these living social. I always get living social and Groupon. And there's mm-hmm. one for this restaurant. And it says brunch. And it says like a $56, $56 value for 28 bucks. But today there's 10 bucks off. Mm-hmm. So I go, okay. So, but then I look. A 50, no, 54, $54 value. Well, I look at the menu. And the most expensive brunch item is $16. And it says two entrees and either two Bloody Marys or a carafe of a carafe, whatever, of a mimosas. And so I sit there and it goes... The most expensive entree is $16, but it's chicken. You're not going to get that at brunch. Most of the entrees are $14. So that's $28. So you're telling me it's $24 for two Bloody Marys? That would be a damn good Bloody Mary for 12 bucks because I can get it somewhere else for like 6 bucks. <laughs> just Numbers just float around your and head I get so, all the I was time, getting irritated, and Joanne's laughing. She's why do you get irritated? I said, because it's not truth in advertising. It's lying, and it's like, it's like it pisses me off. Everything's a lie, Steve. Yeah, but still, I'm just saying, you know. But anyway, so you're in Philly, and you just you, you start showing up at comedy. Uh, comedy. Well, what I ended up doing was outlet first. yeah. No, what I was doing was I was living uh, in Camden, driving into Philly. Why, were you safe? Uh, yeah, I lived in a I I lived in a, this one block area that was kind of safe, and uh, I didn't know everyone there was kind of a junkie or something. I think I was kind of a refreshing. Uh, slice of life there so everybody was really nice to me and i tried working uh at the shelter workshop and then a kid who sounded exactly like uh bobcat goldthwaite and he was on this program where uh every 50 minutes if he didn't uh act out he got a nickel so it'd been a half hour and uh he kicked in my door and he went i didn't get my nickel I didn't get my nickel. He ripped off his colostomy bag and squirted it all over the walls. And I treated it like it was the most normal thing I've ever seen. And Lee was his name. Lee, you didn't get your nickel. Then it dawned on me at that moment, this isn't a way to live. No. Called up my buddy KR, and then we just drove around the country for about eight months just looking at stuff. And as I was doing it, I I just decided I have to do comedy. For the only reason that if I don't do it, I'm going to drive myself nuts thinking about doing it. So I showed up in Philadelphia, and the Funny Bone was opening up. Oh, wait, oh I, I thought you started at oh, – I didn't know you were – The that. first time I went up was at the Funny Bone. You had to wear a, uh, a tuxedo shirt and a, uh, a cumberbund with parrots on it. No, you didn't. Yeah, it was horrible. And uh, so they Shut did up. a test. On stage? Well, no, I, I, I got a job seating people. Oh, okay. All right. I, so see. I think we got on stage. They made the comics wear that like the first time uh, they go on stage. Awesome. It's like an initiation. Yeah. <laughs> Your first time on stage, you got to do this. I don't want to do that. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know what? Jeff Fox really did it, and he's a redneck, and he did you it. You would have done anything at that point to just get on no, stage. No, so what year was that? Was the Funny Bone open that long ago? This is like 25 years ago, yeah. Well, I, I, well, it's funny There's one on South Street. Yeah, I don't know why I never did gigs there. Because I, I worked every other club in that area, all all Scarpati, all well, Mitchells. I was featuring. They were that. booked out of St. Louis, so like the, I guess I wouldn't want. The good MC. thing was you got to see so many great headliners, like 
Bill Hicks, uh, Mendoza, and guys like that who were just really, really nice to me. But the thing was, and Dan Whitney. Oh, Dan Whitney, who became lovely man, Larry the Cable Guy. He got me two weeks of work in Florida. He, That's why I didn't play the the comedy thing because uh, I wasn't going to MC because I didn't pay crap. I'm like, I, I feature everywhere. I'm not, you know, always with money with you. That's right. Well, the thing they did a test show before uh, before the club opened, and there was a guy named Jeff Weinschmutz who somehow convinced them that he should MC it. So I started talking to Jeff. Said I really love to do comedy. Really love to do comedy. Can people just you know, uh, it's pretty bad when uh, you're getting your comedy advice from Jeff Weinschmutz. I, you know, I can't tell whether he he really did me a. Uh, I like Jeff, but he just he was like. It was very nice of him to do, but I couldn't tell whether he was just trying to te- treat me like a jerk or be nice to me. So he just introduced me and made me go up. So I went up, did five minutes, and I couldn't believe how well I did. I came off. The guy who ran the Funny Bone happened to be in the audience and asked me, "Hey, how long have you been doing this? About eight, nine years?" And I went, "No, this is the first time I've ever been on stage." So it dawned on me, maybe I can do this. So then I started hitting the comedy works, and then I started meeting all all the guys. And you didn't do the outlet though. No, I did the outlet once. Where they uh, they uh, yeah like again like all these things they were lotteries. Uh, went up. Uh, the audience had left, and there were still eight more guys to go. So when I went up, uh, the minute I hit the stage, they turned the lights on, put two garbage cans on the side. And the waitresses, oh. remember how they would clear them out and just throw the bottles into the um, garbage cans? So it was me on stage to no audience as women are throwing bottles at me. And the late Jake Gilday is doing Jake shots Gilday. of Blackberry. He passed yeah. away. Doing shots of Blackberry brandy in the, in the sound room. Tell me how to do comedy. Well, you know what? You do comedy. I said, dude, you're doing uh, uh, these impressions about people that are dead like they're so old like no one even the audience doesn't know about natalie wood and you're throwing the water on the glass no one no one gets it man no one gets it oh you know if you do this it's like if you do this what you become the sound man here I said, have you mc the weekend well no no because you're like okay i'm an imc weekends here okay i'm you know i'm i went for dice clay i put club clay yeah. here put me up and I said, what did you do? You ran the sound booth, so shut up. Don't give me advice. It was a different, Drink some more Blackberry brandy. It was just a different <laughs> vibe over there. That the, It didn't seem like they were as friendly. But the one thing, though, man, on a Saturday night when that room was packed, and I played a lot of clubs as a view, mm-hmm. that is hands down was one of the, probably one of the top five comedy clubs as a performer to perform in because you just – you would just rip it because it was those low ceilings and they were like in the movie theater seats. And like, yeah, the, it was like built- the comedy works, the last would go up because it was like 80 foot ceiling. And it was such a thin room too, which wasn't, uh, I, but it was more, for me, it was more about hanging out with the right. guys that you're hanging out. So the guys that I hung out with, you know, at the comedy works and a lot, some of the guys have gone on to do some oh, yeah. really McKay good things. and Tompkins. Adam McKay, and- Paul F. Tompkins, Frank Barnett. Um, Frank was so funny. Yeah, those were one of the guys that really t- always really, really intimidated me, even to this day. Jason Alexander? No. <laughs> uh, well, Dennis Horan, Dan fun. Fox, like, that's fun thing. Even John Hoy, guys that hung around. Him. Uh, great guy, never really got up on stage. John Delvecchio. John Devo. Steve Briggs. No, well, John Briggs. Well, we'd but, have so much fun just hanging out afterwards. It would be fun, because, yeah, see, I hung out more with like, Steve Thomas and Chuck Carmen and George Sharp. Mm-hmm. But you guys are always good to hang out with. But, you know, because, you know, you know, it was McKay lived with Chris Wanchak on Spruce Street? No. Yeah, and I think no. Paul lived across the street. They were just fun. It's it just the minute you saw those guys, 
you knew you're going you knew you're always going to have fun and you laughed from four o'clock or five o'clock when you got online from the open mic nights till when you went home at like three four in the morning and paul f tompkins is mm-hmm. honestly i think the way he is aged he's like a reverse benjamin button like yeah. he looks so much better now than he did then when yeah. he had the bleach blonde hair selling hats <laughs> yeah he's he, he looks great now he, he i mean he just like i don't know and he, I'm like, wow, he looks like he became like a fine-looking gentleman. Yeah. Fine. Uh, listen, he's the uh, funniest man on the planet. I, I, I'd love to – I'd like to find somebody who's just what he does. Even back then, sometimes he wouldn't get on stage for two, three weeks, and then he would just hit the stage, and it was like he did it every night for five years. He'd come up with a brand – like he did bits with beginning, middle, and ends. Really, I, I could just kind of tell jokes. I never brought anything – personal on stage and uh and just also just sweet that, that was other thing they were all nice guys they were all nice and dennis haran was one of the funniest guys one of the most to go he's ed talented helms. comedy he's writer. pretty much ed helms before yeah. ed helms was doing it. and you just thought that those were the guys that you thought were going to really break out bigger but dennis chose to just to have a life right and he loved being an engineer and dennis was just always so much fun because if you got a paid show and then you showed up at molly's or any of the places we were drinking you had to take all the money you had and put it on the table so everyone could drink and none of us had any work but dennis had a job so once it got to be around 11 o'clock we're out of money and we'd always i just look at dennis hey the bartender said you got to give him your credit card and buy us six drinks each Dennis, God love every time would go, ah, this doesn't sound like, well, this yeah, doesn't sound real. And then he'd give the credit card to the bartender <laughs> Such a, but every it, time. The thing about him was his, his writing was like so amazing. And he, it's his stage presence. Because he walked up with a tie. Like he just got off work. He would come from work. And it's like, this isn't a character. This is him. He just got out doing an engineering job. And he's up on stage. And with a big, they were goofy-ass glasses. They were big they were, ones. They were big Sally Jesse Ralph, Raphael <laughs> glasses. And he would just kick it. He would always do well. And he just, and he would do some... He, and I think he would get away with some stuff because he would do some edgy bits, but because he was so innocent looking, no one no one thought he was like a dick. You know, they, they thought, no. oh my God, we're going to listen to this guy. Well, he, he can't be. Oh, it's a joke. You know, but they were funny bits. He was also very, he well, he is. He showed up to my wedding. He's just also a very, very silly man who <laughs> he'll do an impression of a ventriloquist dummy as quick as doing a joke about Ohm's Law or something. Right. <laughs> He's just, again, no, that was the greatest thing, too, at that time, was hanging around those guys. And I loved open mic nights. It was, you would just see the most insane things. Because uh, what people don't know, it would be people that had never been on stage. Right. Uh, acts that have been working for years, just trying to work out some new stuff. So Pernell Tucker. Oh, you could you could have up to eighty guys <laughs> trying to get up. My favorite was once, um, like that's where I met Blank Patch and uh, Patton Oswald, who'd come down from Mark Voice. Mark Voice, all those guys. Very funny, Mark was. And they were just great guys. But uh, there was one guy, uh, and then you just get bored being online sometimes. So I remember once there was this uh, comedian we were talking about him before. George Corcus. So oh, he's God. at the front of the line. I'm at the back of the line. I did. And I started a rumor <laughs> that uh, he won the lottery. That he won. Uh, I picked a number of like $240,000 that he won the lottery. And uh, so I watched it kind of get up to the front. And I still remember it was like two months later doing some horrible 
Solari gig. Solari gig somewhere, and Corcus shows up, and Corcus looks at me and goes, I know I'm doing this, you know, since I won the lottery. <laughs> so he, he believed it. He kept the lie going, and I just kind of didn't know what to say to him. I was so delighted. And he even bumped the number up a little bit. Maybe he did win the lottery. Maybe you're uh, a, maybe you're a psychic. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just maybe you have foreseen the future of George Corcus. In fact, right now George Corcus is, owns an island in Haiti. Well, it's actually it's in a, it does sound like a made up name too. George Corcus. Corcus. I know. He was such a he had that slick back hair. Hey, I did. Yeah, I did. She said to leave, so I did. We're a couple guys too. Like uh, it's fun to see guys like. Uh, Joe Matteris, guys that are still kind of doing it. But I even back then, I kind of knew that that wasn't really for me. Right. Just because, like we said, you you watch a guy like Paul F. Tompkins get up on stage and do what he does, Frank Barnett. Like, they're guys, too. Steve e- Cooper. Yeah, Steve Cooper. Well, every, every town, that dawned on me pretty quickly, too. Every town has about... 15, 20 guy, Kevin Sullivan. Keith no, Robinson. Keith Robinson. So funny. Well, guys that never will leave that area. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the, no, you know what's funny you say about Grover. that? Grover. I've noticed that because now that Joanne's out here, I don't go back. But when I was going back to do, I would do with the comedy cabarets. And it was, I was looking at the, the acts and I'm like, holy crap. There's a few new guys like Kensel, but Kensel, you know, not new. What but, a lovely you know, man. But uh, yeah, he's, I, he's a good man. And, uh, but there was like, you know, like the Wid's still there, and uh, Patrick O'Donnell, and all these people, they're still around. Well, Big Daddy, they're guys that are just, they, as I've gotten older, when you're younger, you look at these guys and go, what What are they doing here? Why aren't they going to New York? Now that I'm older, I'm going, wow, these guys chose to have uh, a great life. Right. Where they made some money in Philadelphia. Yeah, big, big Daddy does his radio show. He does his quiz on his shows. Sending and, his kids to college. Yeah, and he goes down to the Jersey Shore on weekends. and doesn't Unless he has a gig, but he doesn't really perform as much anymore. It's but, a lovely life. Yeah, it's, And, it's, you know, he's got family there and everything. Wid is fantastic because he's also uh, insane. It's just fun. I worked with him at Marlton. I also worked with him at uh, Parks Casino. Legendary Wid is a prop comedian. Who is just insane. And, and so if you funny. even hate prop comedians... You love Wid. I well, we, we did Marlton together. Okay, and Marlton's a very tiny stage. Now I have not seen Wid's act in years, mm-hmm. and he actually gave me a compliment before he went on. He goes, Cooper, Cooper. He goes, I wanted you to get off stage. I go, he goes, because you're killing him. I want, <laughs> I want you to play some laughs. And I go on. It's pretty much the same act from I saw twenty odd years ago. And but I, I was. Under the table, Joanne was under the table because it's so stupid, it's so funny, and he's just and the stage there was great. The stage is so small that all his crap is like on the side, so he's actually running out the side door, ah, coming back in, and I'm sitting there. I mean, I'm I'm under the table laughing. I was it was because he's so funny, and just you know it's such a. Just when I my first weekend at the Comedy Works, I was opening up for Wid, and I had to do 15 minutes, and uh, the audience really did not like me. So at about Eight, I was running out of time quickly because you just start talking faster. And then there was a guy heckling me in between the crease. There are just some people that know how to heckle where this guy was hammering me in between everything. I could hear every word that he said. And uh, Kevin Kearney, who ran the room, was nice enough to give me the light. So they got me off after eight minutes. I'm standing on the side. I'm about ready to start crying. I right. have my head <laughs> against a cold pole just... <laughs> begging myself, please don't cry, please don't cry. And then from behind, I hear Wid come, hey, uh, who's the guy doing that? What is he sitting? 
<laughs> right, right there, Wid. Right there. <laughs> My lip is trembling. That son of a... Okay, I, I'll take care of him. <laughs> so Wid goes out. He's a headliner. He goes out. The guy's still sitting there right in the front. Uh, Wid, first thing he goes, quick impression! An Eskimo ping! He grabs uh, the gla- the ice from his glass, throws it at the guy. From then on, every prop, every joke that Wid has, he has a prop. Yeah, and they're just they're, and some of them are the cheap. It's like he just finds. But All of them. It's classic. But it's, it's 20 yards of props. Oh, yeah. It's this like a garbage stage, You can't move. So every time he picks something up, like... Uh, uh, don't, don't, what are you trying to steal this? Don't come up here. And then he holds up two little Reeboks. Ooh, you little sneaks. And then he threw it at the guy. So for an hour and a half, <laughs> Wid threw every prop right in this guy's face. That's awesome. And it was, then he came off and, hey, you're a funny guy. I, I don't, don't like guys like that. But, and from then on, that there's guys like that, Rich Voss. There are a couple guys that when I started, uh, even Paul Provenza, there are guys that, re- Carol Liefer, that really went out of their way to be nice to me. Even Bill Hicks, that that just because they liked kind of what I did, right? And I was so that's that was one of the philosophies that I had for comedy. Because when you do host these open mic nights, you just never want to be the guy that makes other people not come back, right? So, like I said, finally at the end, I just knew that this wasn't something that I would be good at, particularly too once I got to Los Angeles. So now, what made you decide to move to L.A.? What was it Was it a well, thought-out tr- decision, or you just said one time, you said, you know, I'm tired of filling him out here? Well, no, I went to San Francisco for a year. Okay. And the now, Foss- what made you go there? I know, because did Paul go up there? Or I know Blaine went up there, I think. No, I, I left when Blaine got there. Paul and I were drinking uh, at the New Wave, 3rd and Catherine, greatest bar in Philadelphia, owned by my buddy Aloysius Lina, one of the owners, and... Uh, it was New Year's, and uh, we said to ourselves, uh, boy, we can't let this year be the same as last year. Following year, <laughs> we said the same thing again. <laughs> so then the third year, <laughs> we said, we got to leave here. Uh, where do you want to go? And uh, the odd thing was we never considered going anywhere together. That was odd, too, where he goes, I'm going to go to Chicago. I go, well, then I guess I'll go to San Francisco. Oh, wow, okay. Paul never left. No, Paul didn't go to Chicago, did he? No. McKay he, went to Chicago. McKay went to Chicago with uh, Rick Roman and, and started doing Second City and all and uh, Improv Olympic and 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 then you know everything that he again another funniest guy in the world. Um, but I I just it didn't go great for me in San Francisco because you kind of had to wait a year before you can get in the rotation. So I came back to Philly when I because Philly was kind of dying then, but then it had this weird resurgence for one more year. Then I went to New York for a year, didn't like that as much either. Well, you're trying to do stand-up, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. still telling jokes. Then New York one, I left. David Brenner was going to you do a set. Yeah, he was going to do a set. Uh, don't introduce me. Just, I'm just going to come up and don't, don't, don't introduce me. Then he just walked around the room for an hour and a half so everybody knew he was there. So then he goes up and then he, he did the joke. Uh, did you ever get the shopping cart with the wheel that goes like this? He kills. I uh, see him after and I go, excuse me, Mr. Brenner. I write a lot of supermarket material. But boy, when you did that thing with the wheel that goes like that, that probably 600 people do that joke. I didn't say that to him. But boy, when you did that joke, I was like, ugh, I can't write anything else more about supermarkets. And he looked at me and he went, well, you just got to keep writing. (laughs) And I'm looking around and nobody is acting like this is crazy that he said this. And I said, I got to get out of New York. Okay. So then I went to, so then I moved here. Lucky enough, Tompkins 
was uh, already here, so he got me in uh, his building. Where now? Where was that at? Five eight two six Carlton Way, right by KTLA, and it was Is that in Hollywood. Wait, yeah, yeah, C- corner of Rapey and Carjacky. It okay. was <laughs> horrible, man. Uh, but it was two hundred and eighty bucks or something for rent. Uh, it, 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 they only had actors, comedians, writers. So then when I got here, then you just started seeing guys like Dana Gould and Mary Lynn Rice Cub, Karen Kilgariff, Maria Bamford, Frank. They're just and also so many people you're such a fan of. And then you just watch them doing stuff. Even like Kindler, you go, I can't I can't do this. So then I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just kind of sat on my couch for a month and started thinking about it. And nothing really came to me. And then I got really lucky where Patton Oswalt called me up and he was working on one of the uh, movie award shows. So he dragged me in and got me writing with him uh, for a guy by the name of Joel Gallen. And uh, so it was my first job ever writing. And they uh, they would have fired me, I think, if it wasn't for Patton. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. At all. You just you're sitting there and then, you know, Judd Apatow was. I mean, there were fantastic guys that were in the room writing for Ben Stiller and it was a lot of fun I went I think this is what I want to do and then jobs just started coming off of that like what were some of the jobs I did like the fashion awards right after that because you are a very fashionable guy people always, really- you know it's funny that's one thing they said in Philadelphia they said beside uh beside John's uh wonderful hair he uh He's got an impeccable taste in white shirts. Yeah. Yes. Always. You always wear a white shirt. I don't think I ever saw you now, but like back when you did stand up, I, you always wore a white collared shirt. I don't know if it was the same shirt or it was just your stage shirt, but you always wore a it white shirt. It was probably a stage shirt. Okay. I mean, don't you always feel that when you, uh, same thing with like a job interview, where you had that one shirt that you wear and you get so angry when the show doesn't go well that you go, I wore this shirt for right. this. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so then it just. Kinda, what was it like writing for the fashion awards? Were you had to be funny? Was it was it was it humor? Or did they want you to be? Yeah, uh, it was hosted by uh, who the heck hosted it? Uh, Ellen Ellen DeGeneres okay. hosted it. So we wrote a bunch of the bits. That was the first time I met Andy Dick, where it was a bit written about Andy doing a fashion benefit for the bugs. I beat him up. That you beat Andy up. Why would you beat Andy up? Oh, you want to hear the story? Body, body. Do you want to hear the story? Be... Sure, of course okay. I do. This is this is no, this happened. He's a sweet ago. man. You shouldn't. He is. No, here, no. Here's what happened. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It wasn't okay. We were at this bar called Volcano down here in Burbank. Okay, and he's running around like uh, grabbing people's food and eating it. Sure, and throwing he's hungry. stuff. And, yeah, but just go with people random with people to the bar. And I'm talking to someone on the phone. And he goes, "You put that phone away. You take a picture. I'm gonna." And I'm like, "Dude, dude, I'm just." talking on the phone man okay so finally the manager doesn't know what to do so my buddy who owns another owns a restaurant says we gotta get him out of here so we go man you gotta get out of here he goes okay okay we'll, we'll take you back to his house okay well, where do you live i don't have another place to go so we take him back to his place and the whole time he's being a jerk wait so a guy who's running around eating food you thought it was a good idea to bring him no, it was home andy to- dick it wasn't my place and the guy the, my friend why would this guy want andy dick in his home because he wanted to get him out of the restaurant and we didn't know where to take him so basically I, couldn't you do like a lion just drive him into the woods and well that's tell him you don't sort of, love him anymore and throw rocks at him here's, here's what happened so he sits right. there i know it's his fault so he goes there and then he's just being a jerk and he's shaking up a beer and spraying it and he's spitting on the floor and and then at some point he made fun of someone and he called me a bald cross-eyed jew and so i kicked his chair out and he fell and i was about to smack his head against the the drive like the bar thing what hurt you most uh probably uh 
Bald and cross-eyed or Jew? Which one I don't know. It was back then. I was worried about my. I, I, I was sensitive about my. eye. Now I don't give a crap. Yeah. So, but so I sat there and I was going to smack his head. And I think it was just all three together. Actually, it was the Trinity of hurt. Yeah, the Trinity of hurt. You know, like all by themselves, but all three, and it's just wrong. Okay, and I, I, I am bald, but I'm not Jewish, and I am cross-eyed. So it's probably because the the false fallacy that I was Jewish. I have nothing against Jewish. I wish I was Jewish. I would have made dare money. You call me a Jew? Yeah, no, I wish I would. I, I, I don't have the bar mitzvah money. If I wish I had it, I wouldn't be, I'd be national by now. But no, so, and then I sit there and I said, I've got to smack his head. And he started crying and I felt bad and I stopped. So I really didn't beat him up. I kicked him off a chair and was going to hit him. So then we put him in the car and we said, we're taking you back to, to where you were in Burbank. This is, mm-hmm. this is in the North Hollywood. We're in this crappy area in North Hollywood, coming from my friend's house. And all of a sudden, he just jumps out of the car, disappears. And we're driving around. We can't find him. Andy Dick just jumped out of the car and disappeared. Yeah. It was crazy. It was like, what are you doing, dude? We, he could have been like, I don't know where he slept. He maybe just like slept in a bush or something. No, he's pretty fearless as a human being. It's There's, crazy. Uh, he, I worked all three seasons on his sketch show. He's very funny. And yeah, he's he great was always news fun radio. To, and... He's always fun to be around with. Um, uh, he, he really, <laughs> you could always make fun of him, and uh, he would be delighted by it. Um, Buddy, do you, what do you think of this? And I'd say something like, you know what? As a Catholic, you make me sick to look at. Buddy! <laughs> and he would just... <laughs> Does he call you buddy? Uh, he, yeah, buddy. What are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I, I think sometimes Andy will kind of forget your name. and uh, But listen, he was delightful. And, and you wrote was, for him, so he gave you a writing job. So you had three years of work there. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was... He was well, he kind uh, he you know he had he was kind of going in and out of rehabby kind of stuff, and I remember one of them he wanted us to read the sketches, and then I just demanded that I'd wear a wrestling mask all day so he couldn't <laughs> so he couldn't hear what the bits were, and uh, but he would be delighted by that. I mean, he was a great boss and okay. it was a fun and all the guys that i work with uh are really doing well and i mean you do meet a lot of like we we're talking about before you get to the greatest thing about living here is you get to be in rooms with people who you're never supposed to meet right be around and 90 percent of the people are much more delightful and much more fun than you thought they would be that's just very true it's, you know? Yeah, I mean, because I think they and plus two people that have had success, and it's kind of gone away, and it's kind of come back. Um, they're usually more grateful because right, they know how to handle it now. They yeah. didn't know handle it first, and now then they had that low point, and they found that they weren't all that stuff, and now they're coming back, and they're like, okay, you know what, I'm not. Would you have handled like, it well? Do you think? I don't think so. Maybe, well, it depends how old. I don't know. If I mean, you're in I, your twenties, do would you have handled any success well? I don't know. Maybe not. I wouldn't have. I don't because I. I mean, but I was always a nice guy. But I could be a dick. Well, I think being everything. This is one of the, and I'm sure, big time corporate America is kind of the same way. Anytime you're dealing with a lot of money, anything that you want to do, you're allowed to do here. Right, right. I, I've seen that's a couple of times. I've seen some of the worst behavior, but as long as you're making money for somebody, it's crazy what you're allowed to do here. So I think with any celebrity, when you read something or see something in the news that they've done something wrong, they've done much worse stuff than oh, that. Oh yeah, totally, totally. You know, you know and it's, it's just an also out here though. You don't you don't hear the good stuff like you know Charlie Sheen did this amazing thing for this guy dying of cancer you don't really hear about that you hear about he was going crazy but you don't yeah. hear all the money he gives because you know people don't want to hear that that's that's just the way it is you know it's just crazy it's hard even if you were raised well i think that much money i i would have screwed up a lot of things 
I don't think I would have. I think just now I kind of value stuff a little bit more. I would have bought a lot of devil dogs. <laughs> oh. Well, you can't get them out here. Devil dogs is by far my biggest treat. Uh, every year, my sister will send me a box. See, I, I get the, uh, I, I, when I was going back east, I bring, bring back the peanut butter tandy cakes. Tasty cake. I'm a tasty cake guy. Really? Oh, I love it. I always be a Drake's man. That's all right. My friend Joff is a Jake's Drake's man. I've actually I brought him back Drake's the uh, the Drake's cakes. What's the long ones? Devil dogs. Yeah, Devil dogs. He's all excited. He, I, he picked me up at the airport. We're at my place. I go here you go, and he's like, honestly, in like a matter of five minutes, three, we're going. Yeah. I'm like, dude, aren't you going out to dinner? Aren't we going out to get something to eat? Oh yeah, yeah, but they're, they're devil dogs. <laughs> devil dogs aren't an appetizer, okay? They're 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 an entree. They're so delicious. It's kind of hard to explain. Uh, like you had Kate Flannery on, who's a big tasty cake. She's uh, strong in the Philly. I like the Susie Q by the Hostess though. Oh my God, a Susie Q. We we had those in uh, the high school because you could roll them out and uh, also flatten them out like a pita and yeah. eat them that way too. They're great. They're great. Yeah. So okay. So so you you work with Andy Dick and you, you now you've done a lot of writing jobs. Yeah. Now yeah. now now some of it's jokes, some of it's sketch, right? Yeah, and then started doing like more half hour kind of stuff, written a bunch of movies. Got like, some... what, what are some of the movies you've written about? Like what do you what do you what do you find your ideas? Because you know, you're you're are they they're all huge they're all comedy, I'm guessing. Yeah. I I just uh well, a couple things we're working on right now, working on a um a one I, my buddy Ken Daly and I were both obsessed with Mary Kay Cosmetics. So we wanted Why to Why are you obsessed? Because it's a gorgeously evil empire. Do you buy Mary Kay for Rose? No, no. For, you, you would, know, would, think, would you be mad if Mary Kay, if Rose wore Mary Kay? Like <laughs> no. if Joanne wore Mary, Mary Kay, I'd get, get out. <laughs> really? Why? I just don't. I don't like the idea of Mary. I always think like Tammy Faye Baker when I think of. It's Mary very Kay. culty, where it convinces its women who are they have pink cars. Yeah, well, that's what they do. They they do a lot of trinkets and a lot of cars and stuff to keep the women selling. Like often, what they used to do too. Well, one thing about Mary Kay. Uh, 25 years ago, they didn't make makeup for women that weren't white. So they would just be racist by the palettes that they would use that, you know, someone like Rose, a little bit darker, African-American women, they couldn't ever buy the product. They felt that it made it a little less special, which was fantastic. So then also, too, if your husband, they do a lot of uh, your store, so they convince you to buy a lot of makeup. So you have it in your store to sell to other people, and they tell you you can buy it back. But what they don't tell you is every quarter they change the catalog, so you're kind of stuck with that stuff. Okay, it's really great organ. So we've been. Now, writing- how did you find out about all this? Did you, is it something that you? I mean, what made you spark an interest in Mary Kay? Because it sounds cool. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I don't I'm not mock it. I just love. Cool, how I did just, you find out about? Because it? it sounds like. See, this is the kind of stuff I love when people find stuff like that. Like me and my prices. No, my prices at Ralph's and Sprouts <laughs> and all that. And Joanne laughs because I go to. I go. I, do a circle. And I don't go to one Rouse because that's a ghetto Rouse. I go to the nice Rouse, uh-huh. and I and I know the fish lady, and she'll give me the tilapia that's previously frozen, but in the back it's still frozen, so I can take that home and freeze it. I have all my things. Well, everyone loves secrets, right? Everyone's lo- I like, love. I secrets. know the frozen tilapia. I, I, I love that. I go. Someone goes. You can't freeze that tilapia. It's previously frozen. No, but I know the lady. She goes in the back, and there's frozen tilapia and i get it and i love it well when you find out too that i think we were talking about this before that supermarkets are set up exactly like casinos 
to get you with the end caps, how they pretend sales on something, how you have to walk to the back, to the dairy, the milk, the things that you need. Uh, it's There's a whole philosophy. If you notice, the, uh, the bakery is always to the right and flowers are always when you come in to signal your senses that everything is fresh in here. And you know what's also very funny about the supermarkets? And this yes. is very, that people, because people don't think, but when they label stuff like Ralph's, let's say they do, oh, let's say it's Pringles or whatever, uh, two for $3. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people don't know that if you get one, it's $1.50. Yeah. But people automatically think, oh my God, it doesn't, if, if they look and they go, oh my God, I have to get two now. But then if you look, like CVS does it different. They'll go three for whatever, $9, yeah. one, one for three fifty. Yeah. But people don't do that. So they sit there and they go, oh my God, I got to get two or three of these when you don't want two or three of these. No. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't. I, I like Pringles, but I'm not want two cans of Pringles at one time. <laughs> well, also like when you go to Costco, it does sometimes make me nauseous to go there because you just see so much food that's there. I don't go there. I don't belong there because I don't eat that much. And uh, the samples are good. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, they have good hot dogs outside, but I can't really eat them anymore because of sodium. No, my parents, uh, they pretty much bring those uh, cane chairs and sit down in front of the food. Oh, it's best. It's the best. And just will sit in front of somebody. There's always just... like this little fat kid who steals like the last tamale. <laughs> and you're like, dude, you don't need it. Like, where are your parents? It's like he's got like. Well, he's running it to their parents. Oh, God. It's... Who are four over. Yeah. Now, it's uh, the one that there's the one here in Glendale, which is a little bit. Uh, it's it's more it's more like being in Fallujah. It's just insanity uh, that one, and the one in Burbank. The one in Burbank's like, pretty nuts yeah, too. They're nice, no, it's but nuts. like we're talking about, when you get older though, you just want more comfort in your life. I don't want to go anything that's going to be any aggravation. Yeah, like me, I like I like I walk around the uh, farmers market in Burbank. It's nice. I get my soap there. <laughs> and we get hummus, and but I don't buy the produce because it's cheaper at Sprouts. Why do you buy soap there? Is it better? This lady smelling? makes this. Yeah, she, she makes this. Uh, it's the, well, uh, there's a, a, a tangerine lime, and then there's a grapefruit, and now it's six bucks for the thing of soap. Okay, but which is a lot, but it lasts me for like a month. Okay. It's a big piece. It's like when you first get it, you can barely put it in your hand. You're like, yeah. ah. But no, it's just, it smells wonderful. And, okay. and, and it's supporting small business, and the lady's very nice. And the hummus guy is awesome. He has all these good hummuses, and he gives you samples. And it, it, it's nice. But the vegetables, I don't want them. Everyone's like, they, they, they sit there. What is that? Orange. Yeah, well, what, what's it? Uh, and you're like, I don't <laughs> Well, I said, what's, what's, what's the difference in persimmons? Hot, soft. Okay, but so do I eat the skin? Yeah, they don't say anything. <laughs> and so, and they're, they're expensive. You know, it's like I, I said, sprouts. I can get it cheaper at sprouts, and it looks nicer. <laughs> and that's why I go. I'm like, I love how obsessed you are with. It. You are exactly like I was saying with Rose. I told Joanne, Rose Joanne can't go food shopping. Me anything. Jo- Joanne is not allowed to go food shopping with me because she because really? when we go back east, she doesn't have. I have a list. I have the menu planned out for the week. And okay. she's like, well, we, I go, no, we're not doing sandwiches this week because I don't want it to. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't eat sandwiches for dinner. I don't, you know. And so we sit there and she goes, and she takes the fun out of it. Like, it's what, have you, what have you compromised for her? Anything? Oh, yeah. What? The SpongeBob bathroom downstairs, gone. Okay, it's, it's her. She put the stuff in there. The guest room that was empty. Wait, wait. So you got out, uh, as a man who has no children, <laughs> no nephews and nieces, yeah. you took out the SpongeBob stuff with your Big deal. Now, <laughs> also, the guest room, 
uh-huh. that had boxes in the closet of empty appliances and stuff. Cleaned that out. It's her room. She has her desk there. She has shelves. She has a hope chest. I put up blinds for her. This so a room you used as a storage space, you're allowing the woman you love yes. to use. Yeah. I could have made it an office. I would have made it an office. Eventually. But you never did. The, uh, the, the bookshelves, she made me get rid of all my books. She took the kitchen. Uh, she took- How I, many of the books did you like, actually? I don't think I read half of them. <laughs> And then, and then the other thing she did was it was um, in my kitchen. I had a, a stereo. And I had these big crates. You had a stereo in your kitchen. Well, it was against the wall. Yeah, it was cool. Right, but right. I had these big crates of CDs because I knew this girl uh, I used to be very close with who had a drug problem, and she just left. So I had to go rescue, and, and I ended up with all these CDs. And I had that, and I'd always see. So she, I got rid of Wait, them. You're, you're rescuing CDs like you would a puppy, right? Because she, we, we, her mom came and got some of them. Okay, but there was tons of them. We, we cleaned out her apartment because okay. she was freaked out. Okay, and me and my friend, and so I got rid of the CDs. I, I got rid of the stereo. I put the stereo up in my in my bedroom in my closet. So a stereo that you were constantly tripping on in the kitchen. No, you didn't know because it was against the wall. You didn't trip. <laughs> and it, I love playing a stereo. You know, you crank up and it's so good. Play some Colt. Play some Springsteen. Okay. So now I have nowhere to play my CDs except on uh, maybe my. Uh, my stereo so i got rid of that and and i got rid of the table with the cool little animal things and i got rid of a bunch of my knickknacks on the shelf that everyone loved and i left i got some like i kept the little black boy it's a figurine and these two bondage ladies i kept them because they're fun okay and uh and yeah so i've conceded a lot and i don't know what our point was oh, to I, be I, able to share a life with a woman you love you yeah. gave her two shelves and i know i gave her two a, i gave her shelves part I gave of her a room, room covered with spiders and old boxes does she pay rent no. No. Okay then. No, she shouldn't. Why? Coop. What? I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm just. Coop. I'm a punk. I don't. I don't know how to do this. I. You're not supposed to know how to do this. I. I sit there, and the thing is, I treat her. I treat her like gold. You do. And her family loves me because okay. I treat her like. Gold. So you know what? I'm just saying. If let me let me have my sanity and go shopping, okay? I don't I don't ask for anything else. So she's used her head by just not going with you anymore. Yeah, because she goes sometimes, but she just doesn't know how to do it. Like, well, like for thanks for Thanksgiving. Yeah, she came because we said, well, let's get we'll, we'll shop together. But like today, you prefer to, to shop by yourself. I love it. Good. I love. Why I, do you bring her? What's that? Why do you bring her? Well, she's now that she's acclimated here. She doesn't. Really okay, so it's more she didn't kind of know anybody. She didn't know where she, she knew, but she didn't really know what to do. Yeah, but when we're back in New Jersey, I'm like. I would want to go shopping on my own because she just wouldn't. But that's, that's enough about me. We're talking about you because <laughs> we have about ten minutes left. Okay, and I want to, I want to get I want to get to the the, the well the movie you you wrote was writing about Supermark. No, you're writing with a guy. The guy yeah, who yeah, loves Mary Kay. yeah. We're doing that, and you know, it's uh, I I think most of this the last two three years have just been kind of focusing trying to do my own thing to see whether uh, mostly because I've just written for so many other people. Right. And I got to work on like some fun things this year. Like I told you, we wrote uh, Matt Weinhold and I wrote a couple Beware the Batmans. Right. I saw that. And Matt, it was Matt's fantastic. a nice guy. He's fantastic. And it was, it's another thing with writing with just a guy that you just love being around. So it wasn't actually like a job. Plus, it was Batman. So if you would tell yourself when you were nine years old, you know you're going to write a Batman cartoon. I wish I could write an Ultraman cartoon. Oh, Ultraman. Hayata. <laughs> uh, okay, so now, now, when you say you're working on your own, I know that the napkins are a big thing. The Mata Mata. That's napkin. kind of what I've been kind of focusing well, on. Explain to people what right that is. And, and how did you come up with that idea? And when did you, you've been doing it for a while? I actually was kind enough to let me do a guest napkin, which made me very happy. You did a great And I, one. I did that one picture of me eating a lollipop like the guy. We've had some good ones. We've had... Uh, Susie Eric, Nakamura. Susie Nakamura, Eric Stone Street from Modern Family, Kurt Russell... Frank Conniff, MST three thousand. How do you how do you get 
Kurt Russell worked on a pilot uh, that he did. And he just did a napkin? He's the greatest guy in the world. I've heard. He's exactly like Jack Burton where he will say he just loves having fun and laughing and he's a huge fan of everything in life. And uh, he was great. So then I asked him if he would draw. Yeah, I'll draw. What do you want me to draw? How about if I draw a snake? <laughs> so Snake Bliskin drew a snake for the site. So what it is is a, a daily cartoon on a napkin. I've been doing it for July of 2011. I started. The, 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 what made you decide to do napkins? Well, what ended up happening was it was the end. My wife Rose was going through the end of chemo. And the tough thing about that is it's just absolutely horrible. Rosie and I laugh all the time, and nobody makes me laugh like Rose. She's such a gorgeous goofball. But it it gets to be very difficult. Oh, I can imagine. So there's just kind of very little control in your life or anything, and you're just kind of going through this. She's on the show Parenthood right now where she's playing someone going through chemo. I, I, I find it a little difficult to watch. Just because it was the year, it, yes. it was the year anniversary that she got it of her chemo thing wow. when she got the part, so it's, I bet it's good for her though. I bet it's sort of cathartic for her. Ah, uh, not no? uh, well. She loves doing it and she loves the show, but to relive something you kind of went through the muscle memory of just like having, you, you know, uh, getting uh, just right everything from wearing it. She didn't lose her hair because she had not that kind of chemo. So anyway, it was one of those where it was just so hard. And one of these days that uh, I went to a subway and uh, while I'm there, this woman had her baby with her. Wasn't really a baby. It was about three years old. Still kind of had the tags on it. And uh, the person who's making sandwiches to decide what kind of meat she wanted her, for her son for his sandwich, she'd asked the guy for a taster, a little piece So he, can I try the ham? So she'd get the ham, put it in her baby's mouth. He'd chew it, and if he didn't like it, he'd spit it out. She goes, no, he doesn't like ham. Then she'd go, can I try the turkey? He'd chew it, and if he liked it, he'd make a a approving noise and then spit it out again. (laughs) So I'm watching this, and I felt so bad for the guy. So then I grab a napkin, and I'd never really drawn before. That was a weird thing. I ended up drawing it and writing it. And then uh, when I came home, I showed it to Rose. What was that? What was the drawing? What did you write? Uh, did you the guy at Subway. Yeah, I, did, I drew what I just saw. It was the greatest, most horrible thing that I've ever seen. So Rose looked at it, laughed at it. She thought it was funny. So then the next day, I drew another napkin for her. She laughed at it. So I did it for about seven, seven or ten days. And then finally she goes, you got to stop showing this to me. It, we just show it to some other people. So I ended up putting it on the web. I just scanned it in, called it Matt a Napkin, put it up. And then I just started doing one every day. I don't know why. Like I said, I'd never really drew before. But it was one of those things where – a good thing came out of a horrible thing, and it was, at that time, the only thing that I could kind of control. Okay. There was also, too, there was nowhere else that you can or want to be than to be with somebody who's going through something like right. this. Right, so you really couldn't work because you, you don't, we don't want to leave her. You know, it's, yeah, it's just hard. you could get out a little bit. I ended up working on a uh, uh, thing for Brad Garrett called iKid, and David Hurwitz, who was my boss, couldn't have been nicer about letting me out. If anything happens with Rose, you can get going. But you just want to be there all the time. So anyway, I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And then out of nowhere, it was like Fast Company did a, a, a review of it and did an interview. And then this paper in New Zealand 
mentioned it, and then just people have just been so kind. I and share. Cool about I share. It. I, I yeah. promote the nap, Madden so napkin. So I'm over like over two hundred thousand hits now. Now, do you write them? How far in advance do you write them? Like, do you sit there one day and write a whole bunch of them, or do you just do them one at a day? How does that work? Well, I, before the only rule that I had was that all the napkins have to be from someplace. I have to go get them. I can't oh, so they're all they're all okay. from my fast food places, or you grab. It's always embarrassing when you grab a stack uh, that's like the size of a phone book, and right. hey, where are you going with those? No, and then you just run out. Uh, yeah, and then some of the places, like I've been asked to leave an Arby's. Uh, yeah, you can't sit here and draw here all day. <laughs> oh, so you'll go in and just draw. Sometimes I will, or uh, oftentimes what I'll do too is I just get a legal pad, and then like I said, I'll write like five, six, on, Rosie, okays, and yeses and nos every single one that I do. Now, what happens if it's the subway? They have the yellow napkins. Does that throw you? They're in? hard to do. Well, they, the new one too, the uh, Cheesecake Factory, they just started writing 100% recycled right in the middle of it. So you can't. Really, it screwed me. Yeah, that's that's because all of it is actually drawn on it. That's the other thing. Do you Photoshop this? No, I'm not that smart. I don't know how to Photoshop right. anything. So you got to just draw it right on the uh, napkins, and it's just kind of picked up, picked up. And now what I'm trying to do is get a book together. I think I might. I, I've met with a couple people to do it. I think I just might kind of self-publish it and just kind of do T-Shawn, it myself. Tishan did self-publishing stuff, doesn't? Yeah, it? yeah. Tishan actually drew one too. Okay. Um, yeah, we've had some really from, from Meryl Marco and, and that was the other thing. I didn't know that you could just do stuff for, I mean, for as many cool things as we've done and I don't know, cool to us at least that we've done, like just doing stand up, like we we're talking about before. How'd you know you could, I didn't know you could just get in show business and I didn't know you could just start drawing if you wanted to. That's how dumb I am. So I just started doing it, and uh, I always wanted to do it, but I always thought that was for other people. Actually, I have a new website, people. It's called Cooper Paper Towels. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I draw every day. There's another paper towel. It's a coopermata.com. <laughs> Cooper Paper Towel. It's, C, it's CTP. Cooper, CPT. Cooper Paper Towel. That's what I'm going to do. So now, now do you have uh, any other big um, – Well, then I ended up – that was the thing. I wrote some scripts based on the site. Uh, this one company, hopefully we're going to go out and do an animated version of the show. Uh, hopefully that's going to happen in the oh, new the year. the napkin show? Yeah. So I ended up writing a sketch show based on all the napkins. Okay. And then I wrote, uh, also another script, uh, live action based on a guy, kind of a fat schlubby guy who just starts drawing on napkins based on the life of John Matta. If he just never left New Jersey and does, just, does he have nice hair? He has gorgeous head of hair. Okay. Gorgeous head of hair. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of everything has kind of been based on doing that as I'm writing stuff at the same time, but I've done over 640 or something like that. So as I said, I'm I'm getting starting to do the lay, hopefully the layout getting start doing the layout of the book and and just kind of just I think you can. This is a great time that you can just do stuff yourself. Well, yeah, that's true. And it's even with you know just like maybe getting gas and stuff. You just go out and do it. You just, yeah, you, know, you can't sit around. And uh, it's it's. Uh, I, I like the site. And uh, I you know. Thank do, you. do you have any? Do you have any uh, big guest napkins coming up and that you can reveal in the next few weeks? I think I got uh, Margaret Cho, Moon Zappa. Uh, again, like we're talking about people that I was always a huge fan of, and then when you meet them, no one's nicer and cooler than Moon. Has anyone approached you saying, hey, man, I want to do a napkin? Yeah. A lot of people. Uh, no, I mean, like someone that was a guest that it was one of your guest napkins. Has anyone came up and said, I want to do a napkin? And you said, all right, do it. Yeah. Yeah, no. Who? It's uh, Sean Hayes. 
Sean Hayes did a napkin. Sean Hayes, like I said, Eric Stone Street. Uh, again, he was he's another guy who's been just such a huge uh, a supporter of the site. Like he grabbed the the guy, he grabbed the guy who runs Modern Family, his boss, and just you have to go to this guy's site and you have to yelling at his cast that they all have to draw him and. So people have been – that's the thing. People have just been so nice and cool about it. So, But the other thing is people just too – the people that are fans of the site don't really like the guest napkins as much as I do. Okay. Well, because they're used to your certain style. Yeah. But I, it's what all, I love the most Bald is, people. Yeah. Well, I, I, my trick is to don't draw anything that I can't draw, like noses. Right. Uh, yes. I, I keep it very, very simple. That's funny. That's yeah, th- I really appreciate it. you've been really another guy who's been just a big, huge supporter of the I, site, and I really I appreciate it. Anyway, you know, we 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 got to wrap up. Uh, give your info, like people can follow you and all that. Just go to Matta M A T T A napkin, and then it'll just type in Matta napkin, and it'll you get you to the site. You should tweet your napkins. I tweet them, and I Facebook, and I it, join mm-hmm. me. And if you want to do one, just do it. And uh, I, I'd love to have anyone else aboard that wants to be aboard. I, I want to thank you for coming on today. On uh, Christmas. I know, on Christmas. I forgot it's Christmas. This is a Christmas special. Everyone out there, uh, you know what you should do? Uh, send me an email, cooper at Indy 100, or go to my website, coopertalk.net. There's over 200 episodes. Or you can also just check out um, iTunes or Stitcher and type in Cooper Talk. By this time the show airs, I will have my app. Go to uh, Google Play, type in Cooper Talk. Also, follow me at Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Nice. And you guys, have a wonderful Christmas. I'm lining up some great guests for next year. Um, keep it going, you know? I get Send me an email. Tell me who you want to hear on. I'll try to get them if I can. Oh, well. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Remember, drink your water, eat your veggies, take your vitamins, and have a wonderful Christmas.